What's going on, everybody, and welcome on into a playoff clinching edition of the Game Day Rewind here on the OBR Streaming Network. The OBR Streaming Network, your best place to get live Browns coverage all season long and now officially into the postseason as the Cleveland Browns defeat the New York Jets in Thursday night football here tonight to clinch that postseason appearance. And let me just tell you this. It's going to be a party here tonight. It's going to be a party here tonight on the OBR streaming network. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about this win against the Jets. And we're going to talk about what this win means, depending on what happens Sunday, going in for the rest of the season, into the postseason, and so much more with you. As always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Joining me tonight, it's Brad Ward. Find him online at Ward on Sports. And it's Pete Smith. Find him online at Pete underscore smith is that right it's pete underscore well, i don't underscore know why i just blanked smith, smith, it's oh the underscore was throws me yeah. off at the front pete it throws me off at the front the underscore makes it sexy i like it is that what it is underscores are sexy pete smith what's going on boys how are you guys feeling tonight man the browns are going to the playoffs what i mean it's just is amazing <laughs> so awesome man flacco around and find out that's what i gotta say favorite sign of the night uh what flack, is flack around Flack around and find out. Whatever. Flacco around and find out. <laughs> Flack around and find out. Either way, uh, what an awesome night. So cool. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Uh, everybody uh, in the chat right now going crazy with their uh, gifted subs and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a scene, right? Uh, who would have thunk it with this team and all the injuries and everything that they've gone through? It's hard not to uh, love this team. Uh, I really do love this team. They are fantastic. They are a blast. And uh, it's hard not to get emotional uh, with this team for sure. So, um, you know, what, what a crazy night. Uh, awesome feeling. So cool to see the fan base going crazy at the end like that. All the players running around, giving high fives to the fans. Special night, man. Special night. Magical. Yeah. Hey, Pete, I'm going to get your reaction in a minute, but come on, Ian, put it in the comments here. Cram Day in the, uh, in the subs there. 15 gifted subs from Cram Day. People feeling generous tonight because the Cleveland Browns are going to the playoffs. Shout out to you, Cram Day, and, and you guys are awesome. All the gifted subs that happen on these streams, amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, so shout out to you, Cram Day, and we'll see what else happens. Kevo680 also gave five, so I want to give a shout out to Kevo as well. Again, you never know how much we appreciate this stuff. Pete Smith, how you feeling tonight, man? Well, look, uh, 2020, they, went, they go 11-5, and so much of that season went right. And to match that win total and potentially surpass it where everything and then some goes wrong is an incredible achievement because the amount of times, and we've talked about this, that this team has been, people have thrown dirt on this team from Chubb, from Watson, from everybody else. And they continue to just win. It, they don't care. They, they outlast us. They outlast the fan base in terms of belief in any number of games. And they just say, we're going to do it. And, to watch them not just – there's no scoreboard watching this time. I mean, we'll get there in terms of what this could possibly mean in terms of division and and, and seating, but they kicked the door open and said, no, we're coming to the playoffs, and they've, they've clinched. B before uh, – they're the sec what, second team in the AFC 
at this point, there's only two. Uh, it's it's outstanding what this team has been able to do. What uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry have been able to do this season. Uh, you know, you, you may have seen Dean Brugler put out a, a tweet where they could win four different awards, coach of the year, executive of the year, defensive player of the year, and then comeback player of the year. I'm not entirely sure what Joe Flacco is coming back from, but why not? So let's go nuts. He could be the MVP, Brad, or Pete. He could be the MVP. He could beat a guy that died on the field for oh, comeback no. of the year. I mean, that's remarkable. Come on. But, I mean, seriously, uh, he was like minus 1,500 to start the season for comeback player of the year, and Flacco is catching him. He's catching him. It's unbelievable. Coming hey, back from all, irrelevance. I got a couple comments I want to get to. First of all, Connie says, is, is talking to Barry, directly to Barry. You had the Jets on your bingo card, the only one at RB, OBR. Shame, shame, shame. Hey, Connie, you no. should be saying thank you to Barry McBride. You yeah. should be saying thank you. He did that on purpose. He There's did that on purpose. there. And Ian, uh, let me know, Armor Hatch, with 10 more gifted subs. You guys are lighting it up with the gifted subs. You guys are phenomenal. Shout out to everybody doing the gifted subs tonight. I'll keep calling it out as you guys keep sending it. Boys, I want to talk about this game. I want to talk about the implications. I want to talk about moving forward. But before we get into that, we do have to take a minute and listen None of us, none of us are wearing our gear. We're doing, we've done a bad job. I, we've done a bad I, job here tonight. I did yeah. too. I thought about it, Brad. I thought about running up into my bedroom and grabbing my gear, but my wife is asleep in that bedroom and I don't want to, I don't need marital problems. So I do want to talk about our sponsor though, our newest sponsor, uh, because it's a really exciting one. It's one of our very own. It's OG Philly. You know, him online at Philly ASC, Scott Fillinger, Generous, generously agreed to sponsor this program. We welcome Philly as an official sponsor of the OBR postgame show, the game day rewind, and of a lot of our streams throughout the week. Uh, and uh, we look forward to giving him a shout out as often as possible. Philly works from everyone from works with everyone from Fortune 500 company. Sorry, I'm too excited, man. I'm worked up. The Browns are going to the playoffs. Philly works with everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small businesses like the OBR in creating products that reflect their branding, like the stuff that we usually are wearing on the screen. Now, tonight, I had to go with the whiteout jersey. I had to go with it. What would you go with, I had, Brad? I had to wear the Metcalf throwback. It's lucky. Oh, so. My favorite all-time Browns player. Yeah. So, so, But again, normally you see us wearing the Philly gear, and it's awesome. The hats, the quarter zips, the T-shirts, the long sleeves. Philly makes great, great stuff. You usually catch us wearing it on the show. So if you've got a business, a nonprofit, or just a personal need for high-quality merchandise, and you want to give that business to a fellow Browns fan, reach out to Philly, and he will take care of you. Check out the info on the screen. Shout out to Philly. Philly says, even Philly says it's acceptable tonight. It's acceptable tonight. Uh, you see his info there for Sync Marketing Group, Scott Scott.fillinger at proforma.com. And uh, check out gosync.com. You get all the info there, but shout out to Philly for his sponsorship. Boys. If you got a logo and you want to put it on something, reach out to them. The stuff's comfortable. It's all high quality, all amazing stuff. Super comfortable. Looks really nice. Everybody I've seen wearing it. Even uh, I did uh, OBR Weekly with. Fred, last night he had a sick sweatshirt on I hadn't seen yet, so it's all beautiful stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. So, anyways, boys, let's talk about this game uh, and the Cleveland Browns really 
from the jump, it's become their MO, especially over the last couple of weeks, jumping on teams early. The script plays with Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt putting a script in place, and Joe Flacco and the team uh, executing that script. The Cleveland Browns are unstoppable early in the game, and they jumped out to a humongous lead that first half, guys. And I don't care who wants to take it, but that first half, was absolutely incredible from an offensive point of view of point of view for the for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they had a really, really good game plan. The Browns have been playing a ton of zone teams lately, and the Jets came out in straight man, and the Browns ran all kinds of concepts that just gave them fits. They cleared guys out, they rubbed, they did all these things that just left wide open guys uh, out there. They were able to bail themselves out of that deep third and long play. Because for some reason, they decided to let David Njoku catch and run. But <laughs> even running the ball, which we hadn't really seen, was 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 better. You saw different elements in the passing game that they've been doing. And, and, it, and Joe Flacco continues to play well early in the game, continues to be able to execute in the, you know, still early evening hours before he gets tired. <laughs> uh, he was just, they, they just – the Jets look lost. They look completely – uh, helpless at points, and you're just sitting there watching. And, and coming into this game, I didn't have much faith that the Browns were going to be able to have much success on offense. It didn't surprise me a ton that they had the first drive because it's like last year with Jacoby Brissett where it just like clockwork would do that. But after that, I figured the Jets were going to adjust and figure some things out, and they just didn't. They, they're the, the Browns are the number one team by EPA. The Jets were three. And these last couple of games, the Browns have been really racking up against bad defenses. Jacksonville's horrendous. Uh, you know, you watched Houston Texans. They were missing both, both their starting defensive ends, so it was a really bad situation. The Jets had their dudes, and they had no answer for what the Browns were doing to them. And it was a real testament to that offense, the coaching staff, and, and players being able to execute in a way that, again, we're talking about they didn't squeak their way in. They kicked the door in. To the postseason. Yeah, it was beautiful, man. Flacco was uh, in his bag in the first half. I mean, not not only was to Pete's point, stuff was schemed up beautifully, right? There's a lot of open stuff to start the first couple drives, but then, I mean, the throw to Elijah Moore fading away into oh. the on the out. I mean, he was kind of feeling it at that point, right? Uh, and I wonder, to your point, Peter, if there is some truth to going into halftime and cooling off in a 38-year-old body and whatnot. And But I, I think more than anything, it was just kind of a sloppy second half uh, all around both teams and kind of got into kind of a just a uh, a punt fest, turnover fest, fumble fest. It got sloppy. It got sloppy, right? It got really sloppy. But uh, the first half was fantastic. I mean, Flacco was threw a beautiful ball. Uh, we ran the ball pretty well, and uh, yeah, Injoku looked unstoppable. Uh, Two hundred ninety-six freaking yards, Flacco in the first half, unbelievable. Um, yeah, so it was magical, man. I'm telling you, this was a, was an amazing night and uh, great game plan. Uh, and uh, yeah, Injoku looks uh, when when he when they try to cover him man to man or with a linebacker, or with the safety. I mean, you, you just you can't cover him, right? You can't cover him. Well, Pete, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you have some words on, on David Njoku. 134 yards on six catches. Yeah. 
they tried to cover him with CJ Mosley, who had no chance. Uh, no chance. It, was, it was bad. He was just grasping. Uh, and, you know, this was a situation where the, you know, footing was an issue for a lot of people. Didn't seem to affect Njoku. It didn't seem to affect the running backs, but everybody else was slipping and sliding all over the field. And, and other than the fumble, which wasn't great, I mean, it just continues this streak where all of a sudden Njoku has, has, is now flirting with a thousand yards on the season. Obviously that will depend on a big, another big hundred yard plus game next week. But from where people had sort of viewed him at points in the season and the Browns were even sort of like, we know it's coming. We just haven't seen it yet. And not having Amari Cooper, it was, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known. It was just easy. Uh, the way they were able to just capitalize, continue to work it, continue to get better. And suddenly when you have all these things working against a, a defense with some very talented corners, it gives you another out. It gives you another real answer. The teams now have to prepare for in a meaningful way. And when they get Cooper back, I presume he's going to be healthy enough for the playoffs uh, that you have two dynamic threats and a quarterback who can get them the ball. So who are you going to really take away? How many teams have the ability to take away both guys? That becomes a real problem uh, when we start looking at, you know, the postseason matchups. I do want to give a shout out. Uh, we had another 10 gifted subs. Our old buddy, Pat Shea. Pat Shea just giving out gifted subs. 10 more going out from Pat Shea. Uh, boys, I want to get into the the ins and outs of the game, and I want to talk about how the offense performed first half, second half, and and what we think uh, of the differences there. Obviously, the defense in this game, but I, I want to start with I want to I want to talk about the fans. I want to talk about something that's a little chalky because I want to celebrate what happened down on the shores of Lake Erie tonight, and I want to celebrate what happened at Cleveland Brown Stadium. That place, uh, from a TV perspective. And we have some guys in the stadium. We had Fred there. We had Brad there. We had uh, Jake and Cody were there. And you'll be able to hear more about this from them as the week goes on and next week goes on. But that place looked electric tonight. The Cleveland Browns. um, It's something I'll tell you very honestly I've been envious of when I watch like Kansas City. And I watch – there's not many, but when I watch a couple of these places – really look like bananas atmospheres for NFL games. Cause I think a lot of NFL places are very corporate and very uh, kind of professional looking Cleveland Brown stadium tonight looked electric for this game on Thursday night football. Uh, the Cleveland Browns finished the regular season almost perfect at home, eight and one at home uh, this season. And the dog pound has been very much a very real home field advantage for this team. Just talk about the way the fans affected this game, impacted this game, and 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 the way the fans and the Cleveland Brown Stadium makes it hard to come into Cleveland and get wins. Right now, Kevin Stefanski, I think with this win, he might be at seventy yeah. percent win percentage at home. Yeah, uh, like his 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 home and road splits are ridiculously. Uh, opposed to each other. Like he's down near 40% on the road, but 70% at home. So if the Browns get a home field advantage, you know, start thinking about the Super Bowl because it's a lock. But they have just – Let's they, go. Be, between between their success at home and between the way they play, it's very easy to uh, to get behind this team. They play – you know, they by being a great, great defense, by being one of the best defenses in the league, that sort of allows the crowd to be involved where in past – 
you know, like some of these other teams uh, where the, the offense was sort of the driving force, like uh, you may remember in like 2018 and 2020 where they like had to like tell people to shut up on offense uh, yes. because they just hadn't figured out how to do that yet. And uh, so, but so now you have this outlet, you have this outlet of this defense that lets you get all this juice going and they clearly thrive on it because you look at the home and road splits for this defense and they are a completely different animal at home. They shut people out. They shut people down. They feed off it. I, I you know, I know people give, give people like Greg Newsom grief and the one Siaki Ika dance for apparently no reason at all. Uh, <laughs> was just interesting, but like they're coached to do that. So it just sort of adds to this party atmosphere of the way they play. And when they're good, the two sides just feed off each other in a way that makes it really difficult. And you, what'd you see? Makai Becton had about 35 false starts in this game and, you know, yeah. 10 of them were called. So it just, it just builds, builds onto itself. And it, you know, there, there was a thought that in the second half, like maybe the crowd tired itself out so much from the first half that they had to sort of get their second win and rally when they finally yeah. won the game. Yeah. Down the stretch, uh, they had to, uh, Kind of get juiced up there at the end, but you know what? The, the it it was electric, and it's an awesome showing with the white out and uh, the white jerseys look sick, especially oh. in prime time. Oh. And then you know they come out. The defense looks as good as it did. The offense jumps all over them in the first half. So anybody that tune in tonight, and you you know there's been this narrative with Flacco and the Browns, and you get this amazing first half. It's kind of perfect, right? Uh, to clinch at home that way. So a beautiful. Beautiful thing, you know the images of the players, you know, going around with the fans at the end of the game in the stadium, right, and celebrating with the fans and going around and shaking and slapping hands with everybody and the players sitting up in the dog pound and all that. It the 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 image that sticks out in my mind is when they left Cleveland, right, uh, and, yes. and they moved, and the players spent all that time in the stadium you know, saying goodbye to all the fans. So because of what happened in 2020 with COVID and not anybody being there, and then tonight them, you know, to take Pete's phrases, kicking in the door into the playoffs at home in front of this crowd, you got that same visual, but in this time in a total party, happy, uh, opposite narrative, which kind of is, is a special thing if you think about it. Yeah, you could trust it the last time they made the playoffs. It's different in a lot of ways. Last time they made the playoffs, it was great because they made the playoffs, hadn't done that forever. But also they did it by beating the Steelers, which sort of put its own sort of twist on it. Here, yes. you got the, 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 what made this different is the, the national spotlight. Like this was served up for the Browns to capitalize and dominate and make, you know, get their due because they've, you know, they, they haven't been on national TV since week two where they looked terrible. Uh, defense played great, but they had all the turnovers and lost that game and Chubb. So unless you've been looking for them and they've played some four o'clock games, certainly, but like not in the same way that a primetime game gives you that spotlight, gives you that opportunity and they've gotten it. And now everybody has to watch them do this in a way where, again, not luck. They killed this team. Uh, they absolutely dominated uh, to a point where people are taking notice of what they are, what they can do even if they don't necessarily believe that the Browns are going to be a good playoff team, they're all sort of res res resigned to the idea as, as I think we are in a lot of ways. Why not? Because yeah. of the way they play, because of the way they just keep be beating teams that 
everybody thinks they're not going to beat or whatever. And the way they play, they've always got a shot. So we're getting to this point where now they are the ultimate puncher's chance team. Boys, let's talk about tonight's game and let's start on the defensive side of the ball where, listen, I, the Jets put up 20. And really the only moment in the game where you looked at the defense and went, whoa, what is going on? Was that first Jets drive where they just, they responded to the Browns opening drive for a touchdown with an opening drive of their own. Brees Hall takes the pass across the middle and takes it into the end zone. And it was just an immediate answer. Otherwise, again, the 20 points the Jets scored, well, seven of them came on a pick six. Uh, and another field goal at least came off of a turnover uh, that put them in easy field goal position. I mean, the defense tonight, again, just once again, absolutely spectacular. And they harped on it. You heard Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet over and over again talking about these guys have 1.9 seconds to decide what to do with the ball. Trevor Simeon has no time back there to decide what to do with the ball. And yeah, there were times where they made a couple big plays, but the Browns just answered over and over and over again. Um, this is the caliber of defense that can win not just regular season, but in the playoffs. And they're playing like it. Uh, I know the 20 points looks different, but this defense really only gave up maybe 10 points in this game. They are spectacular, fellas. Yeah, I'll just say uh, Ronnie Hickman, interception, uh, pick six. I mean, how good oh. has this guy been, right? Oh. Like, how good has he been uh, since coming in? And DeAnthony Bell. I mean, talk about two UDFAs that have stepped up and been spectacular. And Harmon uh, tonight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, veteran. Um, he, he had a couple nice plays playing the run. <laughs> uh, so, I mean... I think you made this point maybe in our chat. Uh, I don't want to steal it from you, Pete, but I mean, they are suddenly, because of the experience gained by these guys uh, in Delpit missing, they are suddenly rather deep if you get Thornhill back healthy for a couple of weeks and Delpit back, who's, who, according to Brad Steinbook, is running already and plans to return in the postseason. So. If you get those guys back, all of a sudden you have uh, a number of safeties and you can do a number of things defensively with them. So, uh, listen, it's the same defense we've seen all year. Uh, you know, they feed off the crowd. They feed off each other. The momentum snowballs. They play fast. They're all over the field. The corners are long and they're and it's difficult to uh, create a ton of separation from them. They made the point at the end of the game, like, have they really had the chance to even push the ball down the field all game, really, except for the one back shoulder or the or fade to uh, um, uh, Wilson early in the game? Uh, not really, right? They didn't have time to do any of that. Uh, the Browns kind of sitting on stuff. Uh, Emerson a little handy again tonight, but that's okay. Uh, that's just kind of the way he plays and uh, see what he can get away with. His length is so nice on, on that side, especially on that last play there. It just shows, uh, I mean, he got kind of got beat and just his length made up for it to knock the ball away on that pass. So, I mean, this defense is great. Shelby Harris with the block field goal. Uh, you know, I love it. Love to see all of it. Everybody contributing. Uh, how about, uh, of all people, Elliot? 
you know, making a big play on fourth and one, right? No. Elliot's he's been he's been he's been good this year. He Jordan has, Elliott yeah. has been solid this year. <laughs> let's, let's not go nuts. Let's not go nuts. <laughs> I'm not he's, going nuts. Jordan Elliott's been solid. Nice I was he, waiting for it. I, I saw you go. Eh. No, wait, no, 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 because I called that before the year. When Jordan Elliott doesn't have to be the number one primary guy, Jordan Elliott is a really nice depth piece on a defensive line, and that's what he's been all season long. All season. All season, Jordan Elliott's been he that. Is, he's better than Siaki Ika. He is better than Siaki. That's fact. Oh, you're 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 uh, you're killing it, Pete. <laughs> Look, here's what I would say about the defense. And to your point, last week, the Browns defense, the starting defense gave up zero. They got the kick return touchdown, they gave up the two. Uh, touchdowns in, that were against backups, but they actually yes. gave up no points in that game. And this one, they gave up the first touchdown, but they also g- gave one back uh, with the pick six. And like people were questioning the decision to go for it on fourth down. And I'm sitting there going, it's the Jets with Trevor Simeon. Go for it every time. Right, <laughs> right. And, and, and to Ronnie Hickman's, you know, he's been great. Like, and, and, you know, talking about that. I do wonder what's what it's going to look like when you have uh, Grant Delpit come back because in this game they rotated a ton of defensive players. I think yeah. part of their thought process on Thursday, both sides of the ball, other than like the line, the quarterback, is they just wanted a whole lot of guys playing to try to reduce the burden. But at different points, you saw Juan Thornhill and Ronnie Hickman deep. You saw Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell. You saw Ronnie Hickman. Deron Harmon. They played all these guys. They played a million different linebackers. So when they do get everybody back, I'll be curious, how much are we going to see sort of Ronnie Hickman and Juan Thorne uh, split the middle of the field and then have Grant, Grant Delpit play in the box or in the slot yeah. or something like that to give you an extra dynamic. That'll be interesting. The, the experience they've gained is going to benefit them in the playoffs. They've got so many guys who have played a ton yes. of football and grown up. And Kevin Stefanski's talked about this. They're not rookies anymore. He's right. They've played a ton. And Ronnie Hickman is certainly the, the poster child for success. But we've also seen, you mentioned Shelby Harris. You know, after Alex Wright. First, Alex Wright, a second-year player. I, I, I think the broadcast said it was his third sack in three games. For some reason, I thought it was two and two. But either way, you're seeing him figure it out. And what gets lost in this, he is basically the same size as Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett. Now, Miles yes. Garrett different looking 275 pounds, but yeah. nevertheless, just the size and the ability to move these guys around on the defensive line just creates problems. And in this particular case, he beats the right tackle and just chases it down because he's a good athlete on top of everything else. Uh, JOK, uh. you know, it's one of those, uh. you you look at it and you go, man, I wish he could get, catch his feet. And then they throw that screen pass where he, he knew it from the rip and got every bit of it. Uh, oh, yeah. He's playing the best football of his life. Greg, how many tackles for a loss do you have tonight? Two, three, two or three. But the he Browns leads the league. Old. He leads the league in tackles for a loss. Yes, now, outrageous. Browns, I don't know what it was. At, last I checked, it was ninety. I don't know how many they had tonight. As a team, they had ninety. Yeah, uh, he had twenty percent of them. Greg Newsom is playing his best football. Yes, a- has has decided that tackling is a part of the game now, and has decided to really embrace this. Last week, he had that tremendous. Uh, block, he just blew up. Unfortunately, there wasn't a guy right there to really capitalize on, but it was a great play. Today, the guy catches the ball. He rips his arms around him and just throws him to the ground in a way that yeah, you haven't play. seen him. He's making great plays in coverage, made a great play in the red zone uh, in this one. So guys are just playing really good football, and you're seeing younger guys grow up and sort of 
yes, they've lost these guys along the way. It's frustrating to lose Mohurst. It's frustrating to lose Okoronkwo. But they have had guys step up and fill in. Miles Garrett, I have no idea what his sho- what the status of the shoulder is. I assume it's just a problem. It's the way he rushes suggests it's uh, it's just an issue. But he just continues to play at a super high level. Getting the quarterback in 1.9 seconds is just absurd. And it just makes things so much easier for the DBs. I Honestly, I was surprised. I sort of expected two defensive scores in this game. And the way they were throwing, I thought Denzel Ward or somebody was going to just, just – jump one of those out routes quickly and just house one. I was surprised it didn't happen. They did get the one, but just a lot of things going well. They've got a lot of guys. You, you run out of names you can think of that made plays in this game, like Deron Harmon on his angle on oh. that loss was just outstanding. So you look at this and you're just, you're running out of guys to think of. And the thing is I, I keep coming back to, you know, and talking about Miles Garrett for defensive player of the year. I don't know how many guys are going to make the Pro Bowl from this team. It's not to say that guys don't deserve it, just the way things work, like JOK is going to get lumped in with like edge rushers. And I don't know if he's going to get anything like Martin Emerson. I don't know if enough people know who he is to yeah. matter. So you may end up with a situation where miles Garrett is your one pro bowler from the top defense in the entire, in, in the entire league. And they have very little to show for it other than the message, how they play and who they are. Yeah. That that'll be really interesting. Pete to watch again. I think, I think JOK's got a really solid uh, shot at the Pro Bowl, but again, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I don't think they care. Uh, One name, one name that we didn't talk about. Oh, go ahead, Brad. I would pound the table for Martin Emerson. I, I, uh, I really, really think he has a case. But I'm kind of and JOK for me has got to make the Pro Bowl. But one one name we didn't talk about tonight that made. Listen, we had JOK making tackles for a loss. We had this defensive line just. The Jets did not let them get a ton of sacks, but they were still getting pressure like crazy. Uh, and, and they figured out the running game, too, as the game went along. But I'll tell you what, uh, Sione Takitaki made some nice plays in this game in kind of that mid-range. He didn't make a lot of plays for a loss. He didn't make a lot of plays for, um, you know, kind of in that like, oh, God, he, that's a game-changing play. But when a guy like Brees Hall or Izzy Abanaconda or whatever would make the first guy miss, Sione Takitaki was really sure tonight in his tackling and his ability to bring guys down. I think he played a really good game tonight. I hope that is an indication that his knee is getting healthier. He's been – he came back from that ACL real quick, and it looked a lot of times this year like it's been a problem for him, and he's just sort of like – it's not going great, but at the same time, you're like, man, he's gut, he's clearly gutting it out in a way that where his knee is not where it needs to be. And you hope now that we're at sort of the end of the season that like maybe this is him getting healthier. Maybe this is him getting back because you forget last year when when uh, Anthony Walker Jr. went down, Sione Takitaki played some really good games as a yes, right. linebacker before yeah. the ACL tear. So, and there was a thought, and I and I, and I think the Browns are still thinking about it this way that they. In, in the event that Anthony Walker leaves, and I, I think they want him back, that Taki Taki is the guy they've been sort of grooming to be that dude. He's yeah. got leadership. He's very well respected in the locker room. He's a homegrown guy. He knows the system and just does a lot of things where the, the team is happy with him and obviously won't cost a ton. So there's a whole lot of benefit for him being that guy that can sort of take over. And it was interesting that he was the green dot player uh, because there was talk that JOK might be that guy, but at least for the time being, it's Taki Taki. And they were – 
they were on their P's and Q's in terms of getting lined up, being being in the right places in a way where the Jets on either side of the ball were a mess. And you start looking at that team and you're like, woof, I, man, I, like I, I know they've had vote of confidence, all this other stuff, but like the offensive coordinator seems to be a mess. Robert Sala wasting timeouts and some of this stuff. And you're just like, woof, Browns run a much cleaner operation despite all the losses they've had. Let's go to the other side of the ball. And uh, I was just looking online. Uh, apparently, Joe Flacco is still, and we've been on for 37 minutes. Joe Flacco is still uh, just sitting at the dog pound at the stadium talking to fans. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball. The Cleveland Browns offensively in the first half, absolutely outrageously good. You still had some. You had the pop-up interception pick six in the first half, but otherwise, man, really, really good, really explosive in the first half. In the second half, the offense didn't look quite as good, but they also were just kind of running this game out knowing that, I, in my opinion, I was watching a lot of people on Twitter freak out about the way things were going in the second half, and I'm going, they, they're not worried about the Jets at all. Like, there's no concern. There were two about parts the of that, that 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 were sort of infuriating. Like people talking about how well they lost their top two receivers, which one they lost to their top two receivers, and two it's the <laughs> Jets. Like Sauce Gardner is a good football player. Jer- yeah, right. Reed is a really good football player. They've got three good corners. So yeah. so Pete Pete, let me let me stop you there and let me hear you hear your guys' thoughts on this. What the Cleveland Browns did to the New York Jets in the first half of this game, I. I like, I don't know that you can say enough about it because, again, this is a Jets team that came in as, I think, the third-rated defense behind the by Browns Eagle. and the Ravens. Yeah, by And the Browns tore them up in the first half. Talk about what the Browns did to the Jets in the first half. Yeah, I mean, they were – big big thing they kept doing is running guys deep to take out the corners and clear out underneath. You saw that on the David Njoku catch and run. You saw that in a couple of the other underneath passes. where And then the touchdown to Ford, where David Njoku just sort of took out two d- defenders on his way there, uh, cleared out the space for Ford. You saw the one where pe- they threw the flag on Harrison Bryant, and then they sort of threw it away. They, they picked it up. that opened up Cedric Tillman. Because all they were doing is driving them, driving the, the uh, defensive, defensive backs as far back as possible and just o- operating underneath. And that allowed some of these plays where, like, David Njoku is just running – drag routes and those underneath crossers where there's nobody there to cover him. All of they're doing is just anything to get corners out of the way. And it worked really well. And they did. The thing you notice is you did not see, you did not see them like at least by design going at sauce Gardner or going at these corners often. It only happened really in the second half when things started not going too well. Uh, but overall they really never tested. I don't know how many plays you're sitting there going. It's not like, Elijah Moore was catching balls over Sauce Gardner or Cedric Tillman was just bodying out uh, these guys. It's just they 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 managed to take them out of the game plan and take them out, take their strength and make it a weakness in this case and just play space. And when you have a quarterback like Joe Flacco where everybody's sitting there going, oh, crap, he's going to go deep. They have this little fear factor of I've got to play. I've got to get back because he's serious, which also plays into it. That also is starting, you know, we saw it a little bit. It still terrifies me, but we're still, see- we saw a little bit with what it can do for the running game and sort of getting these teams to be very worried about it uh, in a way that maybe give you some hope. 
certainly the second half was not exactly awe-inspiring in terms of closing a game. This is a thing that's going to be with the Browns. But, hey, if the Browns are going to play with four-score leads, it's right. It can work out. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, oh, if, if it's a choice great. between good at coming back from two-score deficits or they're not very good at playing with three- and four-score leads – I think I'd rather watch them improve with the second one as opposed to yeah. trying to claw their way back yeah. when they look really good in the fourth quarter. So there's just a lot of things that are going right uh, in terms of understanding things. There are obviously still some rookie mistakes. You're still seeing Cedric Tillman. I love his talent, but he's clearly a rookie in some ways. Yes. His mental mistakes. You're just like, I love what you do, but stop with the, with the dumb stuff. Uh, but just the, you don't have Amari Cooper. You're obviously getting David Njoku, and obviously the concussion is incredible. Was scary, uh, even though Elijah Moore, I, I, you know, should be back by the postseason, hopefully. But yeah. even when now, when he's at the X, when he's that number one dude, they have success, no problem. Yeah. They just find ways to get him open. Uh, I like the fact that you get to see that the Browns aren't sort of, well, I have to have all of these things work right. Obviously, they haven't had that all season, but they managed to adapt and overcome with this. I think the thing you sit there and go, why can't I get Elijah Moore at the X in all these, or, or, you know, that type of production in all these other games when they have all the other guys on the field, why do we have to wait until he has to be the future target? But Hey, we'll pick our battles and, and we'll take what we can get. Yeah. I thought uh, to your point, uh, I kind of wish that too. Uh, thought crossed my mind, but listen, he, he did a nice job tonight when they took Njoku away, right? Uh, Moore started to uh, find the little spots, to your point, that, you know, just Flacco, like you just said, uh, Pete, Flacco's just the, the look and the glance downfield just creates spaces in, in open spaces that uh, Elijah Moore, kind of that's what he's really good at is kind of sitting down and finding the soft spots uh, in a defense, uh, comebacks, stuff like that. He got called on uh, what I thought was a pretty bogus uh, OPI to start the game. Yeah, uh, push. What? <laughs> I didn't see him touch him. I didn't see him touch him either. Patrick Tillman pushed a hell of a lot more than he did. He did. Oh. He did. Uh, I was hoping that we were going to then see Tillman step up a little bit, but um, uh, he got – away with the push off got get called on the defense and i guess kind of overran back to the ball on that one he was wide open and flacco threw it over his head so there's a little bit of timing off in the second half with some of the stuff as you're focusing on different receivers the fumbles are sloppy i'll say that yeah. in the second half the fumbles gotta go let's Very. let's let's be honest uh jerome ford that was a fumble we lucked out. I thought it was yes. out before he hit his ass hit the ground. I'm just going to be honest, uh, despite the review. And then, uh, you know, Pierre not helping himself with, you know, getting playing time and looking good, cutting the ball up the field, and then he fumbles, right? Um, so that stuff has got to go because when Flacco isn't throwing interceptions – you can't be then turn around and be fumbling the ball to, to create those turnovers. Right. So, um, and in Joku, like he, his fumble. Okay. He doesn't fumble very often, but why does he feel he's the need? To hurdle. Why does he feel the need to jump at the end of every run? Like he's going to leap over a standing straight up six foot three person. Because he can. Not going to happen. Because he can. No, he can't. Yes, no, he, he can. can. He can't. And then he, so that that's, I mean, he does it every time. 
David uh, Njoku is the ultimate irrational confidence player yes. ever because he's yeah. so super positive. He believes in anything. He believes he can fly. He, That's he what I want. That's what them. I want. I don't care. Jump over everybody. This is the one time he's made a fumble mistake. Like it is what it is. But it wasn't even the jump. It was the fact that he was also stiff arming a guy, and then at the same time, <laughs> that that Mosley came in and punched the ball. It was just you know. But yeah. I'll tell you it, what, it, guys. It's where you want you want him to cover up the ball, but you're also sitting there be a playmaker. Like you don't want to overcoach it every whereas, time. Whereas every Ford, time I watch him, Pete. Every time I watch him. I go think about these guys we've had running out at tight end. And, yeah. and all I can think about is, is, is Austin Hooper who <laughs> catches the ball and just falls down, catch, fall, catch and fall down. Amari, or I'm sorry, David Njoku. When like it is, it's maybe 20% of the time that he gets brought down by the first guy that touches him. That's part David of David Njoku never gets brought. He has the yeah. ultimate confidence. He's running, he's jumping, he's stiff arming. You know what? You maybe you fumble once or twice. I'm never going to begrudge him for that. I'd never want him to change the way he plays the game of football. Which is which is probably what's going to happen is because you're right. I I would say it's more than I I don't ever see him get tackled by the first guy. So rarely. What is that, what is that naturally going to have people do if yeah. they know they can't get you down? They're just going to attack the football. So yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, don't change a thing. Just be aware that they're going to keep chopping on you because that they can't get you down. Uh, I'm more frustrated by the running backs. Yes, because it was in a situation where you are literally trying to just take salt, salt run, run, run some clock. Yep. You know, just keep the ball away and do those things. Whereas in the case of Njoku, it's you're trying to be a playmaker. You're trying to go, trying to be special, which is great. Like we're not. I'm not going to sit there and you know that's where you you risk overcoaching a guy. Yes, I, I want special guys to be special, and that's been the whole thing. Is like. Letting David Njoku just be who he is has been a big part in his surge that he's had over the last game. He's got to have like 400 yards at least in these last four games combined. Uh, on this heater at the same time, Amari Cooper, you know, was before this game was leading the league uh, in receiving yards since week 10 or whatever. Like they've both just been playing at a really high clip. So yeah. don't argue with it. No, and I think I think offensively, I think the thing that is concerning, if we want to, it's hard tonight, right? Because we're talking about making the playoffs and celebrating and having a great time. But if you want to talk about the thing that's concerning, it's Jerome Ford and the fumble. It's uh, and it, it, it's Pierre Strong and the fumble. It's the guys that you should be able to ice this game away with giving fumble after fumble away. But at the same time, again, as I was watching everybody freak out about this game, I'm going, the Jets aren't going to, this doesn't matter against the Jets. No. Like they're not going to capitalize on this. They've got to get this figured out though, moving forward, moving into the playoffs. You cannot be handing the team the ball in plus territory uh, and giving them a chance to score points with, with everything else you guys have going on. Everything the Browns, we're talking about the Browns overcoming and overcoming and overcoming. Everything you're trying to overcome, you can't be overcoming your own mistakes. That has to get cleaned up. And, and the thing is, let's not forget, Jerome Ford had over 100 yards in the first half and yeah. made some the, – the, the play where Joe Flacco gets slapped in the face, rolls to his left, keeps his eyes up and finds Ford, and then Ford – like, 
that play by Joe Flacco was incredible. And then Ford gets the ball in his hands and just would not be denied getting the yes. end zone. And he's a weapon in the passing game. I know some of the times it's frustrating when they don't connect on some of the screens and stuff, but man, he's really tantalizing as a receiving element in yeah. what he can do. He uh, just off the top of my head, there's like at least three different special plays as a receiver that has uh, scored touchdowns this season. So to watch hit what he can do, it's frustrating that you also have these setbacks where you're sitting there going, I, I just want Jerome Ford to have a game where I'm not sitting there going, but, and unfortunately there were the, the second half and on offense as a whole was full of butts. Yeah. I, I would just say that uh, in the second half, I just wanted to see, I, I didn't need to see points. Uh, you know, I wanted to see like, they got the ball with eight minutes and I was like, okay, just take like three minutes off the clock and drive down the field and, and flip field possession, right. Or, or flip the uh, field position. And, and that would have been like good enough, right? You know, take three, four minutes off the clock and flip. But they couldn't even do that. Like they couldn't sustain anything in the second half, which is a little frustrating because the first half was so explosive. Now I'm not saying it's a problem right now, but to Pete's point, I think it's something that you do have to figure it out because it almost feels like you have to pass it to like the. <laughs> It almost feels like when they, when in that situation, they had to pass the ball even just to, uh, on all three downs to attempt to get a first down at that point. And, and I would say to somebody's point in the chat, maybe more Kareem Hunt in the second half. I know he's not as a, a good of a runner and he's slower, but he falls forward and he doesn't fumble. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who he, I don't know what kind of deity he prayed, prayed to to find speed that I haven't seen from him in weeks, but that burst on the touchdown was, was Ooh. notable. Yeah. beautiful i don't know if it, maybe maybe he's getting healthier but i also believe that potentially there are evil forces at work but whatever <laughs> he, he showed more speed than i've seen because it's been such a slog with him getting the ball you need eight yards he's gonna get you, you two yards you need one yard he's gonna get you two yards but we saw a little <laughs> bit more we saw more surge from the offensive line in a way that we haven't seen lately particularly the interior i think the tight ends were a little bit better in the run game yeah uh, I thought, you know, relative to what we've seen, this was probably the cleanest game I've seen from Jerron Christian and, and James James Hudson III, who I've, you know, keep referring to as scarecrows at this point. They're not really offensive linemen, but they got they sort of looked apart. But yeah. this this game, I thought they actually played okay. Yes. James can run block. I, I, here's what I want to ask you. The last thing before we talk about moving forward. We've talked about Cedric Tillman a little bit. This experience that this young guy, this third-round draft pick, this wide receiver is getting playing with a guy like Joe Flacco, who is the veteran, is a Super Bowl winner, is uh, a guy, a Super Bowl MVP, right? A guy that has done it all. Yells at him like he's his child. It, do you how how helpful? I mean, like it's frustrating to watch it as it happens on the field, right? That fourth down play early in the game where. Joe Flacco clearly expected Cedric Tillman to cut in. He wanted him to run like a hard slant in. And Cedric just kind of gave up on his route. And Flacco got into him right there. For a young guy to play with this quarterback, Joe Flacco, how important is this for his development and, and understanding how the game is supposed to be played? Well, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it negatively affects Tillman. Like I don't get this. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't see George Pickens. I don't see him, you know, 
throwing the hands up. I don't see shaking the head. Like I don't see a right. guy who's sort of like reacting negatively to it. So hopefully it's, it's going all in the right direction that he understands, Hey, listen, I'm learning. I got to get better because this experience can be incredibly valuable, valuable for him. He's got talent. There's no denying what he can do. When you watch plays like last week, where he catches mm-hmm. the ball by the sideline and just muscles his way for the first down and some of the other things he's capable of doing. So He's not only getting one, they put him in the lineup after trading Donovan Peoples Jones, which is certainly a vote of confidence. They wanted to see what he could do. He's playing well enough to keep getting playing time and keep, they keep throwing the ball his way. Yes. And now he's getting playing time and, and winning games that matter. Like it is a very, let's put it this way if the Browns are, are seven and whatever, seven and nine or whatever, he does these things. You're like, uh, whatever. It's, you know, he's a rookie, he's learning. But he's doing it in games that matter, and now one, there are there are stakes. It's not just we're trying to win a game and you know get you better for next season. It's I need you to be better next week because next week's going to be a bit more important than this week, and that has the potential to be super important, super valuable for him or any of these rookies. Like we're talking about Ronnie Hickman or DeAnthony Bell, obviously not a rookie this year, but you know any of these guys who are playing high stakes football. And having to learn from them are either going to sink or swim, get better or not. And I think it's it's ultimately going to be good for Tillman because he keep, seems to take it in stride and not get down on himself or or take it badly. Which, you know, you get into this whole generational talk. Like that's something you want to see from players. You want to see these young guys be able to like I can take I can take hard coaching from my quarterback. I can take hard coaching from my coach. It'll make me better. Yeah, and, and to your point, uh, I heard him an interview with him after DPJ got traded and he started getting, taking all those snaps, run-blocking snaps. He wasn't getting a lot of touches or anything. And he was like, whatever I got to do to help the team win. Uh, you know, very much uh, cut from that cloth that you're talking about. Like, I, you know, I, I, I'll do whatever the team asked me to do, whether that means catching the ball, blocking, or whatever. So... Good on him for having that attitude, but it also it's 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 kind of I would say that this team, this the the culture of this team, Amari Cooper, guys like that, uh, probably help that situation as well because that's who you're looking to for guidance, and and none and those guys aren't prima donnas really. So, boys, I want to talk real quick before we get into moving forward. I want to talk about one last person, and I want to dive into this for a second. And I think we've got to talk about Joe Flacco. And, and we've hit on everybody everybody else. We've hit on the running backs. We've hit on the wide receivers. We've hit on David Njoku. We've hit on the offensive line. We've got to hit on Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco, since starting games for the Browns, is leading the NFL in passing. He's got 11 touchdowns. He has got – he's been – absolutely spectacular. And not only that, but it's very clear that Joe Flacco, even with some of the mistakes he's made out on the field, he threw a pick six tonight. The turnovers have been an issue, but even with some of that, it's very clear that Joe Flacco has taken a meaningful position with this organization and with this team. This team is ready to follow him. This team trusts him. This team is ready to, to, to get behind him and take his, his lead. He was amazing again tonight in the first half. 300-plus yards again tonight. Uh, The Browns are now the first team in NFL history 
to make the playoffs with four different starting quarterbacks. But boys, just again, Pete, I know that Joe Flacco hasn't been perfect. I know that he's made turnover worthy plays. Yes. <laughs> with that, with that being said, with the turnover worthy plays have come a lot of game winning game breaking plays. Talk about Joe Flacco and his performance. So here's the thing. Joe Flacco in is this like perfect storm because on the one hand he's played for what four other teams and he's never done anything like this now some of this is a product of they have no other choice but like last year with the jets i mean they had nothing and he was the opportunity to like do that and he didn't he was with the broncos never did anything like this it took him like some obscene number of starts with the ravens before he got to his four 300 yard game so there's this element of just being the right man at the right time in terms of what it's allowing doing. Some of it's a credit to the coaching staff and they're just like their ability to their willingness to trust and let him do it is certainly important. I mean, this, the scary part with Joe Flacco is he keeps both teams in the game in, in some respects, <laughs> like in this game, obviously he, he crushed it. And like the, he will, he will always make about half a dozen plays. The Houston game, a hell of a lot more, probably like a dozen at least. Special, special throws where you're just like, wow. And then he will make half a dozen plays. You're just like, Joe, what are, what are we doing here, bud? And fortunately right now, like in this game, the, the balance was clearly in, in the Browns' favor. The worry you have with him is when does that balance shift? Now, honestly, I thought this was going to be the game that happened because of how good the Jets were. So a credit to Joe Flacco, just him being able to play uh, as well as he did. Um but the thing you like about Joe Flacco is he allows your playmakers to be playmakers. Like in a way that you're just like the, what, what is good about him is what makes him dangerous to both teams. When he sees it, he's going to throw it. He will trust your, his guy's going to go to the spot. He, he believes he's going to go to, which is, you know, how the Cedric Tillman interception against the bears happened. He will trust it in a way that like skinny post to Amari Cooper whizzes by Amari Cooper's head because Mari Cooper thought he was going to run it a little differently. Joe Flacco was like, I saw it this way. I'm throwing it. But it also allowed him to throw that touchdown on that same type of concept, that same post, last week against Derek Stingley, where that ball was perfect. Like, Derek Stingley's coverage was good. Yes. The ball was just right on time, right in the hands, right in the spot. Or throwing the ball to David Njoku last week, splitting the safeties in a way that that ball had to be there at the right time. He can do special, special things. Um and so long as that happens, you're, you're going to get that. Now, the benefit the Browns have and why you believe, why you can talk yourself into why not the Browns in the Super Bowl against the Lions when the apocalypse happens <laughs> is because he can do this and they have this great, great, great defense on the other side of the ball that can clean up some of those mistakes. They can allow him to be flawed in, in, in a way that allows him to stay aggressive because – I don't think there's a, you know, there's certainly decisions you make. Like he threw one ball like Najoku. He just misread Sauce Gardner's drop. You're like, ooh, triple coverage. I don't know about that one. But you don't also don't want to like tell him to stop throwing those, playing the way he does because it allows you to have some of these big, big plays like Amari Cooper uh, last week. Although I think for the most part, only the Marquis Goodwin one, the heat check throw is the one you're still like, yeah, I don't know. It was a <laughs> shot. You want him to take those shots. Because the Browns defense allows you to do that. If he do, isn't, if you sit, if you take that away from him, I don't think he can be as special as he can be. It's just 
what you saw this week, the first half versus the second half, is a team that is consistently playing with fire. There was a point where it was 34-17. If the Jets come out and score, everybody suddenly gets very tight if they score that touchdown early in the third quarter. It didn't happen. Defense was great. That's what it's there for. But you're always skating just a little bit of a line. But until he loses doing this, you're going to celebrate every bit of it. Because if for, if nothing else, the one thing you can always say about Joe Flacco is he's fun. Like, he just makes the game fun in a way that these other – like, you're not white-knuckling it with P.J. Walker praying the game – you know, that you, you hold it on to the lead. Joe Flacco can be a playmaker, which is just entertaining to watch. It's very easy to – to fall in love with what he's doing. And I think you ride that as long as, as, as long as possible. We'll see how this goes. But right now he's, he's got you believing that you can do anything. Yeah. You have to live and die with what Flacco does because he provides special plays and special, uh, you know, he has raised the ceiling of what this offense can be exponentially versus what we watched for a lot of the season. Right. And I didn't think necessarily that he was going to, but he has, uh, now he does make the turnovers, and you just kind of have to live with that. But they do have the the that what makes them a team that teams don't want to face in the playoffs is the combination of a hot Flacco like you get in the first half tonight that just lights you up for three hundred in the first half, and a defense that can hold you hold you off for the rest of the game and beat anybody on any given game, and that's what makes this team kind of special, along with the fact that. He's Joe Flacco. He's been here before. He's a leader. Everybody loves him. I mean, is he, did I see him chest bumping with Deshaun Watson today on the sidelines? Yes, I mean, you where did. the hell is that coming from? Uh, so uh, I, I love it, right? Like, I, you got to love it. He's loving every minute of it. He's got nothing to lose, and he's playing like it, and it makes his team a blast, and it kind of. Uh, it actually kind of fits right into the narrative of who this team is uh, for this season. So it's perfect, man. It's perfect. Boys, let's finish this show by talking about the future. And we can all sit back on Playoffs. Sunday. We can all, well, we got that coming. We know that's for sure. The Play worst case scenario for the Cleveland Playoffs. Browns is that they are the five seed in the AFC. They have locked that up. Now, wait, the they locked up the five seed? They have. The only game that matters on Sunday for our rooting interest is Baltimore and Miami. That's the only game that matters. Nothing else matters. If Baltimore beats Miami, the Browns are going to be the five seed. Mm -hmm. They don't have a, ch a chance at the, at the division title. Right. They don't have a chance at the one seed. If Miami beats Baltimore, then we go into week 18 against the Bengals in Cincinnati. And we got to figure this out because if Miami beats Baltimore, Baltimore plays against Pittsburgh. Now, listen, I know Pittsburgh sucks. We all can talk about how Pittsburgh sucks, but you never know how these division games are going to go. If Pittsburgh beats Baltimore, the Browns can win the division. If Miami loses to Buffalo, the Brown and the Browns beat the Bengals. The Browns are the one seed. So like, what's the strategy? Because right now the, the way the game is scheduled, it's a one o'clock game. So you're not going to have any idea if Miami beats Baltimore this weekend, what is the strategy going into week 18? Play everybody that's fully healthy. 
Uh, if anybody is dinged or you're worried about them, you sit them. You try to win the game with what you have uh, without being ri overly risky, right? You don't. I don't think you play it like it's a playoff game, but I think you play it like uh, with anybody that's available and healthy to play uh, without risking further injury for anybody else. That's what I would do. Now, if, if Baltimore wins you also have a decision to make as far as do you want to sit for 10 days and then another week uh that's set now we're talking about 17 days without playing so i would in that case at least play your starters or your healthy guys for the first half of that Bengals game to at least keep them in some sort of rhythm i think 17 days off is too much look i would in the event the dolphins win i think Kevin Stefanski will play it straight. I think it feeds into who he, who this team is. I think I feel yes. it feeds into the message. Point. I don't think he's going to sit there and go and try to play fast and loose with it. I think he's going to win. It's a, it's a divisional game. Whatever you want to say about that, that does mean something to them. I think they do want to make the Bengals 0-6 in the division. I do think they do want to continue to continue that dominance over that. And there are certain things that they would like to achieve, I think, on an individual basis, uh, you know, sort of allowing guys to get some some run to, to potentially make some closing arguments on some some things that are important to them. So there may be some potential conversations where they, you know, talk to players and be like, hey, how important is this is, is to you? But ultimately, I think Kevin Stefanski is going to stay on message. Every week go 1-0. Yes, they can be smart with certain guys, undoubtedly. The flip side of that, if if uh, the Ravens win and they clinch it, everybody's sitting. I don't care. They're all sitting. This team Agreed. is so beat up. They can manufacture enough game-time situations and control stuff in practice to do it. Now, I don't know if Kevin Stefanski will do that for the exact same reason I just mentioned. It may not be in his DNA. It may be every week, go 1-0. Every week we're going to do this thing, you know, but to me, I don't care. Like this team is so <laughs> injured. They had four guys, four offensive linemen. The only guy who was not on the injury report on, on the offensive line was James Hudson. The third, they are out of guys. And the other part of this, like if Joe Flacco were to get hurt in that Bengals game and it doesn't mean anything like everybody, everybody's calling up the radio and just trying to fire him again. So I don't disagree with the idea that they want to win and, and close it out and get guys ready and do all those things and keep them in shape. But just the nature of the beast with this one, like, I don't know what, I, th this is one of those things where I'm not privy enough to the, to have the information to know what would 17 days do off for miles Garrett's shoulder. What would 17 days do for Joel Petonio's knee? Amari Cooper's heel. Yeah. I mean like all these things we sit there and go Elijah Moore's head. Yeah, like, well, I think yeah. I think there are a couple of players you can go ahead and earmark. That probably is 17 days year. off, yeah. But, you know. I get that for those that, guys. That, that, I'm just talking we, like. That's information we don't have. But to your point, like, I get it. Again, what is Kevin Stefanski's mindset for this? It may just be we got to go 1-0 and and we're going to keep playing the way we do because that's how we got here. But, you know, to me, I think if, if, if you are locked in, don't worry about it and just – focus on on being ready for the playoffs yeah i wouldn't argue with it to your point like if if that's what they felt was best to rest all starters i just think and, and totally anybody that's dinged up you're not playing i'm just saying like 
you, you might want to give some guys a little run, but if you feel like you could, they could. Seventeen days is a long time. We've seen teams come out after a bye in the first round of the playoffs and look flat. So I think you just got to be careful with that. Maybe not. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But I, I do think to this point, I think having a guy like Joe Flacco that has been there over and over and over and over and over again helps. And even guys like Amari Cooper that's been there before. And you've got some veteran leadership on this team that understands what a break looks like, what you have to do during a break and during time off and during downtime to get yourself ready for uptime that can help lead the guys that haven't been there before to do that. But I I'm with you guys. I think again, I think if Baltimore wins this week against Miami, anybody that has any sort of ding, anybody put them on the bench because again, the worst thing you can do is the five seed. And if Baltimore wins this week, you're going to be the five seed period. End of story. So Get yourself healthy. Get yourself right. I'd rather have a healthy team that maybe has to figure out for five minutes of the game how to come back from 17 days off than, oh, my gosh, somebody else got dinged up, and now we're now we're looking at this. So the you bottom probably, line is this. Oh, go ahead. You guys ahead. are probably right. You guys are probably right as I'm thinking about it. Um, just trying to think of what – I wonder what Stefanski will do. Yeah, it's the question. Like, remember, he got killed – when Denzel Ward had a concussion in the preseason, yeah. he got absolutely killed for it. Now, yeah. there's an art, certainly an argument to be made that he was was foolish to have Denzel Ward playing in that game. Sure. Now they took the mindset of we wanted to get our guys that rep work to get them ready, and ultimately, it kind of worked. Um, but that's that's sort of the you know it's it, it's one of those things where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're gonna if they lose, you're gonna get killed. If you win, it's gonna be a genius move. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I guess I was thinking while you were saying that, Mike, that they aren't even really practicing these days anymore. You know what I mean? At this point of the season. So if you account for that, you know what I mean? That they're basically doing glorified walkthroughs every day as practice because uh, we're at that point of the season. Then maybe that <laughs> that week off of time uh, does serve you really well. So well, listen, I'll leave it at that. Boys, let's uh, let's get out of here. The Cleveland Browns on a four-game winning streak. They are eleven and five, and again tonight with their win on Thursday Night Football against the New York Jets in a game that nobody has had against that Jets defense. They dominate the Jets defense. They dominate the Jets offense. They dominate the Jets at home. It was electric at Cleveland Browns Stadium. The eleven and five Cleveland Browns with one more game left to play worst case scenario are the five seed in the playoffs. And it looks like they're going to play somebody out of the AFC South. If that happens, but I think it's time for celebration. We will see what happens again. If you want home games, if you want a first round by, you need to be a big time Miami dolphins fan this weekend uh, as the dolphins take on the Ravens. Otherwise, again, we can all just sit back on Sunday and we can celebrate the fact that your Cleveland Browns are 11 and five through all the injuries, through all the adversity, through everything that has happened this year. They have found a way to put themselves in the postseason, and there ain't a damn thing that I'm going to talk negative about that. It has been a beautiful ride this season, and it is just beginning. We get another season that happens, which means 
here at the OBR. We get a lot more coverage we get to give you guys. We get to talk about next week, obviously, week 18 of the season, and we get to get you guys ready for a playoff matchup no matter who it is. So make sure you are tuned in to the OBR.com for Brad and Pete and all the other guys' analysis. They're writing the amazing work that gets done. The, the OBR is the biggest and oldest Cleveland Browns independent site in Cleveland. Make sure you get over there and subscribe. And we're going to do a lot of great stuff here on the OBR streaming network. So make sure you're tuned into YouTube and Twitch and all of that stuff moving forward as well. Boys, the Cleveland Browns are going to the playoffs. Any final words from you guys before we get out of here? Yeah, the Brown, the uh, Ravens play at 1 o'clock and then keep an eye on the AFC South teams to uh, see the potential options. It's great. Fun night. Uh, you said, uh, Mike, that uh, it was electric there. It was electric there. I won't forget this. But you guys were electric. You know that? You were electric, Mike. Pete, you were electric. So And the chat. Everybody here was electric, too. So cheers and uh, enjoy this for sure. Electricity out of everybody. Uh, last thing we're going to do tonight is give out our thank yous. First of all, our thank you to our buddy Philly, OG Philly, for sponsoring the Game Day Rewind. Uh, thank you to Ian McBride in the background for running the show so smoothly. Shout out to you, Ian. Shout out to the OBR for hosting all the best Browns coverage. Uh, and for Pete Smith, for Brad Ward, I am Michael Keefe. Our last thank you goes out to all of you that joined us tonight. It is 1236 in the morning. I am too old for this, but I can't help it. The Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs. You guys stay up all night. I think I might do the same thing, just partying and celebrating and uh, and just getting excited for postseason football in Cleveland once again. Thank you all for joining us. We will talk to you after next week's game. Until then, cheers, everybody, and go Browns! <laughs>